Welcome to the Wandering Toward Wisdom podcast. Today we talk about avarice or greed. Once again, avarice is a desire for things that in, that is in some way inordinate or disordered. Avarice is not merely the desire for things, nor are most of the things that we desire uh, in a greedy way bad. Rather, avarice is a diseased way of desiring things that draws us into the various other sins. Joel and I talk about this, and we get into some other areas like talking about Thomas Aquinas and how many shoes you're allowed to have. And speaking of disordered, I realize that we are we have messed up the order of the uploads on these, but not to worry, we have every sin accounted for, both in our podcasts and our personal lives. Next week, we'll get to the last of the seven deadly sins, and that will be lust. Of course, what is the best antidote to avarice? Well, giving away your money and possessions. And here at Tactical Faith, we are committed to helping you overcome your sinful desires, as well as encourage you to think more deeply about your faith. Check out our site, tacticalfaith.com, for blogs, other podcasts, and the TF Radio Network, and for a place to send us money to help help you overcome your wretched avarice. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. Today we are talking about greed or avarice, and Joel is going to be talking to us a little about avarice, and I think things are going to get kind of uncomfortable here in a little bit, but let's uh, go ahead and begin by talking about what avarice or greed is, and maybe say a little bit about what it isn't, since we can get it confused with other things. (laughs) So the the avarice is is kind of the, the technical way that people talk about this deadly sin and that is about the the inordinate desire to possess uh, it's not so much a love of possessions but it's it's that wanting to possess and um it's often equated with greed because greed is um wanting to possess money um the desire to possess money and so that is what we typically think of because a lot of our desire to possess other things we use money to to um to to uh, satisfy that desire to, for the other things, um, but avarice is is a more broad term about the it's about a disordered desire to possess. Okay, so it's not so much the love of the thing itself; it's a, simply a desire. So it's not like say we're going to get to gluttony and lust. It's not necessarily or gluttony. It's not necessarily a desire for food to eat. It's a desire to have. Let's say, I mean, this is sort of weird, but to have a bunch of food. Yeah, that's that's in one possession. way. To, that's one way to, to look at it. Um, it. The the things themselves can be closely uh, connected with the desire, and so, um, you know, I don't want us to 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 lose sight of the the things because part of the problem is where we desire to possess the wrong things, and so that's what that's what disorders the desire um, is that we, we put, want to possess the wrong things. We may have good intentions in mind to use the things, but those things are not the things that are going to help bring about the good that we might think they will. Okay. So, uh, I watched a little bit of parks and rec last night with my daughter who's watching through it. And Great there's show. an, they're, <laughs> well, they're talking about a guy, there's some, some arrogant rich guy who owned uh, what the guy called as a Rolexus, and it's a Lexus made out of Rolexes <laughs> that it can't be driven. It's merely a status symbol, and I mean it's ridiculous. But it, this is this is what this made me think of something that is pure. It's possessed purely for the sake of possessing it, 
maybe serving as a status symbol, which then gets gets us into the pride, vainglory element where you're looking for a certain kind of glory. But it's simply the possession of something for the sake of the possession of that thing. So I'm trying I'm trying to get the a little bit. So so uh, it's possible to be to be to have vainglory or gluttony or 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 greed or a kind of greed for something. Um, uh, but also have avarice. So these two different desires can be mixing together. So I guess this, this is sort of the question I'm having. And I, I specifically trying to, trying to dig at that idea that it's not really the love of certain things. It's a love of having things, right? Is that, is that how you put it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not just the thing itself. It's, it's wanting to have it. And, you know, having that particular thing can be the wrong thing to want to have, but it it goes back to that desire to, to have it, to possess it. Um, And, and, and it's also worth, you know, mentioning that a lot of these, uh, when we get to, uh, when we're at avarice now, we can start to see connections with other deadly sins pretty, pretty quickly. We can see, you know, you know, someone might say, well, you know, it's vainglory that's motivating the avarice or, Others might say it's the avarice motivating the vainglory. And, you know, we can have great philosophical academic conversations about which is motivating which. But at the end of the day, they're both wrong. Um, they're both less than the ideal. They're both driving us away from the people that we were meant to be. And so um, while those conversations might be fun to have over um, over coffee or, or beer, not so much as far as things that we really need to worry about if we're trying to, to get towards wisdom on this. Right. We can analyze them to death and, uh, go away just as miserable as before. So, okay. But so, uh, but I guess what I, what I'm thinking about is, is the obsession with status, uh, having, having the symbols of status. And so that's very much vain glory, but also has an element of, you want to have more and better looking stuff, not necessarily because it makes you happy, not because it, benefits you in any way but simply for the sake of showing that you are the kind of person that possesses these sorts of things and i think that's rampant in our society uh i see it all the time at least um uh so um what so obviously the desire to possess something can't be in itself utterly bad so i remember you know my wife and i we were moving around so much going to school, doing, uh, you know, pastor stuff and so forth that we didn't have a, we didn't have a house until I was in my late thirties. That's when we bought our first house, uh, which we're still in right now. And the desire to possess a house instead of being, you know, having a bunch of young kids on a second store, you know, second floor apartment with people who work third shift below us. Um, was that, was that avarice? Um, to, to the desire for a house, what, what is that point where, where avarice or what's that point where the desire to possess becomes sinful um, or full of vice versus acceptable? Is there a clear line? I don't know if there's a clear line, but I think part of, of avarice is also um, not correctly valuing the the objects of possession. Um, so, you know, you, you think of, uh, someone like the, the prodigal son, you know, who wasted all of his money. Um, that's an example of avarice because he didn't 
properly value things. He he didn't he his his desire to possess was was disordered in that he 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 didn't care about the money and he just you know wasted it and so he he didn't have proper valuing of things um when it comes to something like like you know desiring to have a, a house or i mean e- even just a space that you don't have to worry about your your children disrupting your neighbors um right. you know that seems to be more than just wanting um wanting something for the sake of wanting it or not valuing it properly. Um, but it, it, se- it seems to be saying this is, this is of, of good value and it, it is of an actual value. Um, so that's not so much uh, avaricious. Now, if, if you, that was what you claimed the reason you wanted a house for, but really you wanted some place where you could show off your handyman skills or, um, you know, have a place where you could, um, show off to people, you know, the, the space that you have or, you know, some other purpose, then, then that's where the, the problem, uh, where it becomes problematic. Uh, but if, if you're, you're valuing it properly and having good motivation behind your desire to possess, that is actually good motivation, not just apparent good, like we've talked about a few podcasts ago. Um, then I, I, I think, it's not avaricious, but th- this is also one of those things that, you know, we've talked about it being a scale, you know, or, or a spectrum. And so it can be more or less avaricious as well. So, you know, it, you know, if, if your desire to have a house, you know, it has these good motivations, but it also has these not as good motivations. That's better than just having the bad motivations. Right. Well, that's, that's, that's what's, in, uh, and, and we keep using this term, uh, inordinate desire, inordinate, inordinate. And I think a lot of people don't really, uh, that's just sort of a word that means bad, but it actually means to be, and, and you've said this over and over again, disordered. Things are out of, they're not where they belong. And so, uh, uh, so my desire for a house, I remember when we were getting the house, I started, uh, I started having this, this sort of stress that I never thought I would deal with. And that was a desire to go up and up and up to try to push the limit of our budget to get the nicest house possible. Um, not, not to get, I mean, I had to have explicit conversations with my wife to say, stop me from thinking this way because I, I want to go, I want to get the nicest house possible because there's a part of me that wants to, what, to look like I'm more successful than what I am or, or whatever. And so, uh, I had these, we, we kept having to have these conversations, but, but the desire to have a house in which I can have my family and so on and so forth, and we can live, you know, I don't know, uh, maybe there's a little avarice in there anyway. It was, it was, it started being shot through with desires that were unrelated to the possession of a house. They were things that I didn't want the house for the sake of its usefulness. I wanted this house for the sake of vainglory. I wanted it to, to feed these other desires, um, that, uh, that weren't necessary. And so that's what I had to, had to keep checking. So, um, my desires became out of order. There were certain kinds of desires that kept that, or maybe you can tell me if I'm understanding this right. There are other other desires that jumped in that the house, I was trying to use the house to fulfill those desires, like a desire for respect Mm -hmm. that, doesn't belong with the house. Like what should be the respect? What should be the glory, the, the, the appropriate rightly ordered glory I should be seeking? Well, it's not, 
the presentation of a nice house or the presentation of a nice car. That's not the glory we should be seeking. I mean, uh, obviously, when we look at Jesus, that's not what he was presenting himself as, and he's the he's the ref- reflection of true glory. So, therefore, my desires were out of order. I had the wrong thing attached to this possession that this possession was not meant for. Is that kind of what we're saying when we're saying disorder? Y- yes, yes. It's, it's yeah. It's that desire to use it in ways that it's not meant to be used, or um, or or using or yeah, or valuing it such that um. We don't think it's as as uh, valuable as it really is. I mean, you know, we we kind of run into this. You, you see this when people rent, um, you know, cars or or you know, hotel rooms or whatever. Um, there's just a tendency to not treat the objects as well as you would treat your own property, and um, right. and so you know, you know, you find out that this car was you know, a, a rental and you probably have some hesitation about buying it because you don't know how people abused it. Um, you know, whether or not you, you know, treat rentals poorly yourself, uh, uh, sort of as a, as a society, we've, we've kind of said, yeah, rent, rentals are rentals. And, um, you know, that because they're not yours, you, you just don't have to care as much about your, your, because you're paying to use it. You kind of have the ability to not value, you know, we've, put it, we've put a price on, on the, the value of using it. And because you've paid that price, then you feel you can use it however you wish. That's interesting. This also opens the door to a kind of abusive things, mm-hmm. uh, the abusive possessions. Interesting. I think there's a road we could go down there. Okay. So let's, let's, <laughs> let's, uh, let's maybe so, sort of switch it up because this, this line issue there's something about the need for, so we need possessions, mm-hmm. but th- there's a certain element where there's, we have certain things that are required for our survival and those are meant. And, and it seems like we could, we could draw a line here somewhere where uh, the proper desire for those things are things in which are, are to have the desire for the object so that that object might benefit you in seeking the proper glory, yeah. seeking, seeking the proper glory, something like that. And there's a point where those objects cease to do that and start redirecting your focus to other things. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and I'm going to kind of open the door for you here because we both know Aquinas' thing on this. Let's say I'm a big fan of shoes, mm-hmm. right? Uh, my son actually got picked on a lot in uh, a couple of years ago in school because he didn't have super expensive shoes. And my wife and I thought that was stupid. We eventually gave in and got him like, a slightly higher, but he was growing, he was going through shoes. Like every six right. months he'd be shoes are too small again. So, cause his feet were growing like crazy. He basically can walk on water now. Um, <laughs> let's say, let's say I, I love shoes and I want to have a different pair of shoes every single day because I don't know, they present my status. And so I have every single day for a month. So I have 30 pairs, 30, 31 pairs of shoes, uh, sitting in my closet, all freshly cleaned and, I don't know, oiled or whatever. Um, uh, clearly, I've gone beyond what is what shoes are necessary for. Mm-hmm. Um, how does how should a Christian respond to that kind of situation? So that's an open ended question. I know, but I'm trying to get you some. I'm trying to get you to the offensive part of this. Well, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna 
uh, get there eventually. But first right. I want to say, I want to be careful on how I say this because it can be heard incorrectly, but someone who owns those 31 pairs of shoes is not necessarily avaricious. The reason being is they may recognize, I mean, it, now having those shoes cleaned and oiled and all that, that, that might be nudging it more in that direction. Actually, it probably is. But having things doesn't make you avaricious. Um, it's, okay. it's how you, uh, it's how you approach those things, how, how you have those things. So, um, this person, um, you know, with the 31 pairs of shoes, are they the kind of giving caring person that if they met someone on the street who needed a pair of shoes, they'd give them one of those pair of shoes? Or are they the kind of person that are, that's like that, uh, having those shoes is more important than, than taking care of people that need help. All right. That's good. That's good. I like that because, because again, the issue is not the amount that you have. The issue is the way that you perceive the value of those things, right. the desire that you have toward those things in relation to the people around you. I like that. So the issue is avarice arises when, when the possessions are used for some, somehow to bolster something with the, with yourself. Uh, to 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 uh, give you a sense of pleasure, a sense of respect, or whatever by the by the ownership of those things, uh, and, and and not just not just that, but also how you hold them with respect to other people, right? And and yeah. so so Aquinas actually gets into this, and he says, you know, if if your neighbor is needs a pair of shoes and you have an excess number of, of shoes and your neighbor comes and takes a pair of your shoes for, for his use, he is not stolen from you. He's just taken back what you stole from him. Aquinas is saying that if we have neighbors that are in need and we have an excess of the thing that they need, we are stealing from them by not helping them have what they need. So what you're telling me is that Aquinas uh, also, well, he was the third co-writer of the Communist Manifesto. <laughs> I mean, apart from that being anachronistic. Um, <laughs> right. His, his, the what Aquinas was getting at is our well-being is not just about ourselves. That our well-being is connected to to our community, um, such that if people in our community are suffering, we're not flourishing as people because we're not. It, it, it will, if people in our community are suffering, and there are things that we could be doing to help alleviate that suffering that we're failing to do, then we are not flourishing because we are not living in the in the life that that we're created to live in. Right. That's really interesting, and so. Uh... And it, it would be fun to get into a uh, uh, big conversation about this and the way Aquinas' claims, how they might relate to our perception of government and so on and so forth. Um, but it's an election year and we want everyone to still like us. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, this that, that could be that it might be interesting to have a podcast or two just talking about some of these issues, uh, some Christian philosophers and how they relate to politics. Maybe we'll do that closer to the election. 
and we will never tell you who to vote for. But if you want to know, just send me an email and I'll respond. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the right candidate. But uh, uh, but so so but but the issue the issue that Aquinas is really getting at is the issue of avarice and that that those that the the obsession because it's it's not simply the helping of the other person and that's what you brought up right. It's not simply the helping of the other person. It's not just for their flourishing. You're a, you become take, and we've heard this saying over and over again. Your possessions begin to possess you. Right. They become a thing that 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 undermines your happiness and undermines undermines your capacity to flourish and grow. And so there's a point where the giving to other people, uh, and, and maybe in some cases to have them simply come and take it. The thing is. You don't need all those. Ah, this sounds, this is just, I think we might make someone mad. Might make some people mad with this, but you don't need that. It's, it's not necessary for your, uh, for your growth and your flourishing. Um, yeah, we have to reflect on that a little bit. Of course, we're not saying that we need a government that determines how much every person needs and then distributes in accordance with that. That's not what we're necessarily saying, though that could be the case. Um, uh, I would trust Aquinas over uh, most of our government officials today, though. So, um, well, it, it, it's, it's also worth saying that it has something to do with how you hold on to, your, to these objects. Um, you know, there are people in the world who who have a lot of things, but they're also very generous with those things. You know, if they may you know be enjoying them themselves, but then they see someone who has a need, and they're able to, without much thought, just give to the to someone who needs it. You know, give away their things to help people who need it. Um, and so that person isn't necessary is is you know not nearly as avaricious as someone who has that position or has that possession and is unwilling to let it go. Well, what about, can, can the poor be avaricious? Well, I think we all can, can be, but I want to be careful on how I say this because there are, um, you can desire thing. I mean, because it comes back to the desire for possessing, you know, anyone can desire to possess things in the wrong way. You can, you can be avaricious without actually possessing the thing. You know, when you, when you look, you know, when you go shopping and, you know, you see all these things that, oh, I would really like to have that, or I, I think I need that, or, you know, it, it, it's, it, it, if you think back to, you know, when, when I was a kid, this is going to date me some, but I remember looking forward to the Sears or JCPenney catalog coming in October or November and going through and marking up, you know, this is, you know, these are the things I want for Christmas. And, and there's nothing wrong with that provided, you know, on Christmas morning when I get, you know, maybe a fraction, a small fraction of what I marked up, I'm grateful for what I got. Right. And, and, uh, you know, it, but if if I lack gratitude and I feel that I was entitled to more than um, than I got um, and and um, more than what I needed, uh, that's where the uh, avarice comes into a, into play for all of us. And it doesn't matter what you have, but it's 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 the the mentality you take with respect to possessions. Um, 
that the avarice flows from and and that doesn't require possessions to to have a mentality of towards possessions now now wanting food to survive wanting clothes to to stay warm wanting shelter those those things are a lot harder to be avaricious about because if you need them you're you're probably not going to be very picky about about them because you 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 recognize the need um if anything you might be um avaricious in the sense that you're you give um that that you your mentality is such that you're satisfied with less than than you you really deserve and i want to be careful how i say that but i mean i know i catch myself that when i want to get rid of something you know if it has a a, a small you know because we're not using it anymore if it has a small defect that is, is definitely a defect there's a part of me that's like, well, I can still give that to Goodwill or Salvation Army because, you know, someone would appreciate just having this. And I'm like, but is that really the right mentality to have in in being giving of things? Um, you know, if, if it's not, if I'm not willing to use it, and part of the reason I'm not willing to use it is because it's broken in some way, should I really be okay giving that to someone else, expecting them to be okay with it just because they're 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 poor? That That seems to be... Um, the wrong mentality, the wrong valuing of things. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I can imagine a defect that's something more like a, a mere, like a, a surface blemish or something, but something where it's actually broken. Um, that that could be, yeah, that's interesting. Um, I need to reflect on that a little bit. My wife and I have saved a lot of money buying things that on the outside look ugly, but just keep going like our cars. Um, uh, so, well, let's, so let's talk a little bit about, and I think we've already mentioned this a, a little bit. So, uh, avarice is, is an inordinate desire for something. It's, it's a, it's a disordered desire for a kind of possession. Um, uh, uh, whether you, whether you have that possession or not, um, what are some ways that we, uh, what are some ways that we are uh, to, what are some things that we can do to correct that or to practice? Because one of the things that we, uh, I don't know if we've really come out clearly and just said this, but one of the things that Joel and I both sort of agree on, and we're just drawn from Aristotle and Aquinas and so on and so forth, is that one of the best ways to overcome uh, overcome disorder desires to reorder them is to start picking up certain kinds of habits because our 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 habits and our desires, uh, we can change our desires, mm-hmm. right? The whole, this is my desire. You, you can't hate me for the desire. This is who I am. Well, sort of, but desi- you can't get rid of the desire itself at its root, but you can, re- you can do carry out habits that, that bring it back to order, that straighten it out, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, make it so it's not twisted. And so, uh, uh, what are some ways with avarice that we can, what are some things that we can do to help us reorder our, our attitude so that it's a proper desire for possessions rather than an improper desire for possessions? Well, one thing we can do is we can uh, be intentional in how we use things that are good things and, and, you know, such that we will uh, limit our usage, not because, using it as bad, but 
by limiting our our use, we we come to loosen our attachment to it so that um, our possessions can can serve our needs and our humanness um, rather than us wanting to center our lives around our possessions and our desires for them. Um, so I'm, I'm going to step on a lot of toes, including my own here, but our smartphones, we, uh, we often have put, or many of us have put much of our lives on our smartphones to where if we were to lose our smartphone, we would be in trouble because we've become so attached to it. And we've done, we, we, depend on it so much to do so many things in our life. And that's a, not a bad thing in and of itself, but when you become so dependent on an object that you are unable to live your life without the object, that should give you pause. Um, you know, and so one way you can work on, on, uh, and can approach this is to, um, not use your, your phone as your alarm clock, so you can leave your phone in another room overnight. Um, you know, I, I read some statistic that something like 90% of smartphone owners take their phones to bed with them. And, um, you know, that, that seems, you know, I'm one of them. I'll admit I'm one, but that seems to be ultimately unhealthy. Um, that seems to be something we should, should work against. I mean, I, I, I actually, uh, about a year ago went out and bought an actual alarm clock. So I couldn't use the excuse of my phone, um, being, uh, I mean, needing to have my phone in bed, you know, at, at bed with me so I can have an alarm clock. Um, now, now the next thing I'm looking at purchasing is, um, an internet phone service so that, I can so that I can claim, so that I can no longer claim that I need my phone in case someone needs to get hold of me for an emergency. That I have another, you know, you know, phone, and you know, internet phone is is an excessive uh, amount if you already have internet, um, is an excessive cost. So that that's part of why I'm, I'm looking, you know, in that direction. But but the idea is trying to limit your use of some good things in order to help loosen your connection to it. So you loosen your attachment so that you're not controlled by the device, but you have control that you're able to use the device as a tool rather than it, it using you as, as using you as a tool. Yeah. And this is, I think this is important because, because I think we Christians, uh, well, those of us who are Christian and even people who aren't the idea, the idea of, fasting from something or whatever, we tend to get the idea that if, if it's good to take breaks from something, then that thing must in itself be bad. And that's not what we're saying. What we're no. saying is you can have a good thing and approach it the wrong way. So to, to, and fasting relates to, to of a lot of things, but, but to withdraw use from that thing does not mean it's bad at all. What it means is you can have the wrong attitude toward it, and this helps weaken its control over you, and so you begin to use it as as a means of, for example, I mean we can talk about this with gluttony. Uh, we'll do that in a later podcast. I think the next podcast, but food is food to be enjoyed, yes, but it's also meant to bring health and energy. But if you if it gets to the point where you're just obsessed with food both negatively and positively, I think we're going to get to, mm -hmm. um, 
then it then it ceases ceases to be a source of health and becomes a source of something else, or ceases to be a, a way of. Uh, I think there's a couple different things, but we'll have to talk about this next week. But even even the idea of communion with with someone and so on and so forth. Um, but we get the idea: well, I should fast. Well, therefore, food's bad. The body's bad, and we end up going down this road that is just a soapbox of mine that I'm so frustrated with. That Christianity, we are like. Gnostics. We're not telling you that Gnosticism is right. We're not saying that the body is bad and that what you really are is some immaterial soul in the body, something to be cast off at death when we're freed from the chains of the physical realm. That's not Christianity at all. That's not even remotely Christianity, uh, but it keeps getting infused with it. When we talk about withdrawing from it, we're talking about reordering the desire for it. So we're not saying smartphones are bad, but man, smartphones and this. I feel like such a hypocrite right now, but yeah, smartphones really do absorb our lives in a way to the, gets to the point where you can't think of anything worse than having left the home, left your house without your smartphone. I don't know. You know, um, even if you're just going to the gas station to grab something. Um, and so, so that's good. So, so, uh, practice giving practice withdrawing from, these are good habits that weaken the power of our possessions over us. And I think, in fact, actually increases our capacity to enjoy them mm-hmm. the way they're meant to be enjoyed. Well, an- another thing that, that I think can be helpful, and I don't know if you live in a neighborhood that allows this or you're close enough with your neighbors, but I know people who do live in neighborhoods where they're close enough with their neighbors that instead of you know, three neighbors each owning their own, well, I guess in Alabama, you guys don't really use snowblowers, but up here in Indiana, we use snowblowers. And, you know, instead of owning three snowblowers that you're going to use, you know, maybe, you know, five to six times a year when you get a good snow, you know, have one and you just share it between the three of you. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a way of, of valuing possessions you know that's an example of valuing the possession well it, you know snowblowers aren't cheap but they're really handy to have when you need them and so that's a way you know if three people are sharing it then suddenly the cost is much less and you're able to get the same usage out of it you just have the inconvenience of maybe not being able to use it at the exact moment you want to use it uh, similar yeah. as a mower or you know these all these other things you know, you think about how many things that we have, we think we have to own ourselves for our convenience that we could share with other people, um, provided we have, have that kind of relationship. Now, now this yeah. gets into another soapbox of, do we have these kind of relationships with, with our neighbors? Do we even, do we honestly really want to have these kind of relationships with our neighbors? Well, this, this is really interesting because this relates to the issue with Aquinas, right? Part of the reason why, why we, why I would look at my neighbor coming and taking my 31st pair of shoes with anger. And in fact, you would need to form a government and put a gun to my head is because I don't like my neighbors or I don't know them. I mean, I in fact do. I, we love our, we know our neighbors and they're fantastic people and so on and so forth. And by the way, in Alabama, we don't need snowblowers because when it snows, we all get into fetal positions in our houses and cry <laughs> until it goes away. Um, so, uh, except the kids, they go out and play. Uh, but I, I, I was here during one of the times when we got snow and we weren't expecting it. The weatherman got it wrong. Uh, and it was just, it was like the apocalypse. It was really neat actually. But, uh, um, I mean, 
that sounds terrible, but whatever. Uh, so, so yeah. So part of, part of the issue of this about the flourishing is that is again, avarice arises in relation to the people around us, not just in terms of having a wrong attitude toward the possessions, but having the wrong attitude toward the people around us. Right. I mean, those two go hand and that's why all the sins are all interconnected. When I start having the wrong attitude toward my possessions, it's, it seems like it's, I cannot help but have that relate to the having a wrong attitude toward the people who are toward my neighbor. And I'm using neighbor in the Jesus sense of neighbor, the way he uses it in in the parable, in the parable of the good Samaritan. Um, who's my neighbor? The one you come across, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's one way of interpreting it. So, uh, excellent. There's something else I was going to say with what you said there, but, um, that might be good enough for, for now. Uh, but that's a really interesting, uh, the element of sharing, having the relationship, um, how that builds community has builds a a sense of mutual responsibility and concern and how it weakens our obsession with possessions. I just don't, this doesn't seem, this seems to go against the American gospel though. So I don't, (laughs) we're going to have to find a new, uh, we might have to drop this sin, pick up, pick up another one. Um, that might, do you have any more thoughts on this? You know, one, one thing, you know, by no means do I have this down. Uh, but one thing I've, I've tried to do one small thing that, that you can do is um, a growing number of, of, of stores have the option for you to uh, round up, your change uh, and, you know, to round up to the nearest dollar and, and have some of that money go to charity or have that, that additional money go to charity. And I mean, it's a baby step, but it's, it's kind of a step in the right direction in that you're, you know, it, it's, it's a small cost to yourself, but it's a way of, of recognizing that while I'm buying all these things for myself, I can still give a little something to someone else. Um, now, the the problem is when people are like, "I'm such a giving person. I I check that box every time I I go to the store." That that's missing the point. But if you're looking for some for a way to start, that's one way that you can can start to move in in the right direction is just trying to be aware of other people, um, of what their needs are, which can help you get more in tune with what your needs are. Um, as you take breaks from things, that helps you get a better feel of what you actually need and what you don't need so much. I mean, and one thing my wife and I are trying to do is to not turn on the TV every night and, you know, pick up some books and, uh, you know, maybe listen to music and while we read or, you know, uh, you know, do some organizing of something, you know, but, but to try not to make it about the TV and, and the more we're able to do that, the more we realize, yeah, the TV's nice and it has an appropriate place in our lives, but, but we don't have to turn it on every night. Um, right. You know, finding ways to loosen the grip of your things on you so that you can be in control of the things in your life and you can use them as tools to help you and your family do what you need and, to grow and flourish in the, in, in ways to help you be more like Christ. Right. I, I really think probably the most important thing you could do to help you overcome all of your sins is to send us money. At <laughs> but, uh, 
No, so so that that's good because and this is one of those elements where things are sneaky, right? Where where you can start giving money, but that money is being given out of vainglory, and you're going to get on Twitter and take a sell and or Facebook and present put a selfie up of you giving money, or maybe you don't even know you just go home and kind of smugly think about how great you are or whatever, right? I mean, I think that's the that's what's so fascinating about about vice about sin is that it's so so easily entangles, right? Hold to your possessions a little more lightly uh, by recognizing the value that they in fact have uh, rather than attaching a bunch of other values to them that they don't, that they can't carry. They can't carry your, your desire for respect. They can't carry your desire for, for fullness and happiness. That stuff comes through relationships, through love, love of God and love of neighbor. Um, And possessions end up getting in the way one way to take take care of that is to start giving a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, give to your local church too. Yeah. Uh, so, but mainly give to us. Um, <laughs> so it might be a little greedy, but it was so. So one one last note. So we've talked about envy and we've talked about greed or avarice. Envy is specifically a desire for someone else's stuff. Name or namely. Uh, or primarily a desire to bring them down to your level. That's how it usually manifests. Yeah, it's it's interpersonal. It's it's more about the person who has the object rather than the object itself. Yeah, and it's an it's sort of a negative evaluation. I deserve more. You deserve less. Mm-hmm. Um, avarice or greed is specifically a desire for the possession of objects. But again, it's not the desire. F- it's not because you have a desire for the object. That's not what's wrong. It's the it's the improper desire for the object, the desire, uh, to have the possession, uh, that is unrelated to the thing itself. We need to talk about this a little bit, a little bit more, maybe, or maybe this will become clarified as we talk about things like lust and gluttony and so on and so forth, because you can have an inordinate desire for the possession itself. Um, or maybe you can't, well, I mean, it, something we have to clarify what, what, what it comes down to is, is, is a, it's, the disorderness is in how you're valuing the possession. And so if you're putting up, if your, your desire for a possession, you know, a particular possession is so great. Um, it's probably cause you're, 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 you have the wrong evaluation of it. Um, now I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to push a little bit and say, there are actually some things that I would say are wrong to desire to possess. Um, you know, for example, someone, these I examples could get a little scary. Make sure I don't have to. No, no, I'm, I'm, this, this, yeah. You won't need to edit. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not going to get into the governmental aspect of things, but as far as an mm-hmm. individual owning a nuclear weapon, that there is no need for an individual to own a nuclear weapon. Desiring to own a nuclear weapon for yourself, that's just wrong. There's just, there is no way that that can be properly ordered at least in our day and time who knows what, what the future holds i i would love to see a, a world without nuclear weapons but that's a discussion for another time um but the the idea is there are some objects that there is there there just is no way to use them to help bring about flourishing for yourself or your or your neighbor and so desiring them um is, is going to be avaricious because it's, you're, you're not, you're desiring something that, that cannot help uh, order your life better or help you flourish. 
Right. Like basically it's a kind of thing that the only an avarice, avaricious person would desire this because it's completely un- unrelated to, to the flourishing of an individual or, or your community or some, some way that you can benefit your community. Yeah. I think, I think to ha- to be properly ordered automatically results in one living, what a fairly simple, I can't, I really want to bring in, uh, but we're already at like over 40 minutes here. I really want to bring in Plato's Republic because uh, at least the way I present it, the whole thing is built upon this issue of pleonexia, which can be translated. It's basically the desire for more is what it comes down to. And it keeps being used over and over again in different ways uh, throughout the Republic. And it keeps, and it, it ends up connecting with, I mean, just like the, all the virtues are interconnected. So are all the vices. It's really hard to act, do one vice and not fall into the others or have the other ones involved. And the, the whole thing is built around this issue of more, 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 more. Uh, and you can see Socrates trying to battle it uh, throughout the Republic, trying to, trying to uh, kind of temper uh, the desire for more and still trying to create a just society. And it leads to this Republic's a weird book. Uh, if, if you read it as him actually presenting what justice really looks like, because then you're like, that's not what it sounds like. But, uh, but the issue is, is, is fighting this, this fundamental drive of avarice. And in our society, it is very difficult to avoid avarice because we are bombarded with claims that, look, this will bring about your flourishing if you just get, I mean, we have, uh, if you live in Alabama, you know, Shannara and, and you know, all the other law firms that own like 75% of the billboards. And a lot of times they just tout how much, how much money they've gotten from settlements. Uh, it almost makes you want to have an injury, like to fall in front of a store and get a million dollar settlement. And the idea is something like have this bring, get this, if you just buy this stuff, you get this jewelry, you get this car, you get whatever, whatever, fulfillment, fulfillment, fulfillment. And it's very difficult not to, you don't even, I don't even notice avarice growing in myself until it hits a certain point. Maybe, let me bring a political element in just kind of an, it could be that we feel like the call for something like redistribution of wealth or whatever. Um, we are, we are fearful of that. How do I say this without being terrible? Uh, there wouldn't be a need of, there. W- we wouldn't need to be calling for that if we really cared about our neighbors and we're caring for one another. I don't think there'd be much pressure for that kind of, for that kind of call for government if we in fact were living in this way. But it's hard to see this, even in the church, even in, even in the kingdom of God. Which you look in Acts two, Acts four, you see how the church was living, and it was not avaricious. As soon as someone had need, they would sell their possessions and give to the other person a manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit working on, working on his people. But I, I don't want to say anymore. Yeah. Cause I, then we're, we, you're starting to get where it's really personal and, yeah. uh, you know, and I'm re- also getting really greedy with time. Raising questions is, you know, are we listening to the Holy Spirit or, you know, all those kinds of things that, um, that, you know, we, we want to avoid because we've already f- feel connect, convicted enough. We don't... Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't, don't think I'm saying this because I'm mad at all you Christians out there. This is like, <laughs> I'm getting real uncomfortable. I think I need to go repent more. So, okay, well, let's wrap it up uh, for today. Thanks for listening. This is Travis. This is Joel. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.